from the top of the charts to the dusty $1 bin and everything in between, it's time for another review on Life to Labyrinth. Welcome back to Life the Labyrinth. Hey, How's Steven. It? How was your trip? Oh, it was good. It was stressful, honestly, traveling now. I wouldn't have normally done it, but Kane is, is literally the first of his generation for her family. He's oh, yeah. First grandkid, first great grandkid. So I really wanted to, she's like, she's got, she's got grandparents of her own that are getting quite up there in age, and I wanted to make sure they got a chance to see baby. Yeah, um, I got to do it, man. I know so, what my young... Go ahead. No, <laughs> I was just going to say, so like, right, traveling is always exhausting. I'm not the biggest fan of Ontario. Just it's where I'm from. A lot of, you know, mixed feelings there. But like, it was, was it warm? Because we've been like snowy and gross here. And I heard that it's like 25 degrees in Ontario. Yeah. Saying that it was really fuck, like almost too warm, but I'm not going to complain about it because we did come home to a fucking foot and a half of snow. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was like 19 to 26. I packed all jeans and like long pants. Thankfully, Danielle had the foresight to throw a pair of shorts in my suitcase for me. I would have fucking <laughs> overheated. But yeah, no, it was good. Like, baby got to spend time. change in action. <laughs> yeah, right? You can't tell me global warming's not real. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah, so, like, baby, good visit. Baby got to see all the family. It was nice to just kind of have a week to just chill. We didn't really have to do anything. Yeah. Which is just kind of nice, because even not being at work... There's always shit you got to do, right? Yeah, 100%. 100%. So, glad you're back. Glad to hear your voice. We've had a few extra days to listen to our album, Your Choice. So, Stephen, what have you chosen for this week? It's a big it's a big album. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited. So, I chose for this week. We had kind of discussed getting more into like pop, stepping a bit out of our kind of comfort zones, as it were. So, I picked the album Because I Love You by Lizzo. And we decided to go with the deluxe version on Spotify because it adds a couple tracks. Important tracks. Important tracks. One that's genuinely like my probably, I was going to say favorite, but it's changed since listening to this album. All right. It's Kane's favorite song. And then like one of them is one of her standout, like big, big tracks. So it would have felt like a disservice to not include it. Um, I'm glad Mm -hmm. you you caught that. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. I, I, I mean, I did quite a bit of research on Lizzo as a personality and as a performer for this episode. I really didn't do a whole lot of reading about her album releases and why she's released Cause I Love You three different ways. The first way, without some of the biggest hits off of this album, Deluxe seems to have them. And then she gets Super Deluxe, which comes with a couple of other things. But I didn't really find any information of why they just decided to re-release this album three times instead of just releasing a second or like a second EP. I don't know if they're just trying to stretch the life of this album or what, but it was, uh, I didn't really, did you find anything out about that? Nothing super concrete. Kind of the most I could track down was that given the success of, cause I love you. Right. And we'll talk about this a bit more as we get more into the episode, but like Lizzo has been around for, I think I was going to say almost a decade, but like a full decade at this point. And for well, the first I, album dropped in 2014, as far as I know. Uh, no, she, she was, um, she's been in, th- three bands before launching her solo career actually um right. one of one of which she was one of um prince's mentees so one of the yes. initiatives prince took that yeah it made him like was this huge impact he had was that he would take starting or struggling black performers particularly women and he would enter them into a mentorship program where they would record at a studio and they would sometimes watch him record and actually i found lizzo had mentioned that most of the times they were in the studio, they actually didn't see Prince. He would talk to them over the like recording studio speakers. 
So Lizzo says to this day, she couldn't help but think they were like Princess Charlie's angels. Yeah. I Most of their interactions was just over this little speaker box on a, on a desk. Yeah. I watched David Letterman's interview with her. I don't know if you've seen that on Netflix. Oh, I was actually 100%. I was going to make sure this episode to be like, guys, if you have access to Netflix, go watch Lizzo's episode on my next guest. Yes. It's it incredible. Yeah. It's so good. Okay, so I'm glad we both seen that. <laughs> yeah, so the most I could find for her albums was that after "Because um, I Love You" really started taking off, they wanted to. The first deluxe came about because Lizzo and her producers wanted to get "Truth Hurts" back out there because they felt like it was going to be a big hit. Mm-hmm. I think it was one of her more successful tracks as far as it goes, where she was still kind of non-mainstream. Right. So they released it with uh, "Boys," "Truth Hurts," and "Water Me." As for the like super deluxe, I couldn't find a whole lot of reasoning behind that. I assume it was more kind of of the same because these tracks were already recorded and ready to go. They wanted to release them back out there while the momentum was high to kind of get traction on as many tracks as possible. Yeah. But super deluxe only adds the two versions of good as hell. So good as hell was released as a single and it was one of her most successful singles. So I assume it was the same reasoning as the deluxe version. They figured if there was ever a time to pump out a new, like, a, a couple extra bonus tracks on an album. It was end of 2019 when Lizzo really started to kind of skyrocket as far as her career goes. Yeah. I really struggled to kind of connect with this album. I got to say as, which is why I sort of watched her David Letterman episode. I started watching live footage of her. I watched her entire performance at Glastonbury in 2019 mm-hmm. on YouTube, which was, which was great. I watched her tiny desk episode which I think was my favorite performance that I watched because I watched a few other things too, but those are sort of the, the standout ones for me. I think I watched another Glastonbury from 2018 or something like that when she wasn't on the pyramid stage. Mm. Oh, it's um, really cool that you did all that because I've been, yeah. I kind of meant to and just right with traveling, I didn't get the chance to sit down and watch a lot of her performances. Yeah. Thankfully, I've already seen a lot. Lizzo is the one like pop album I've always desperately loved. Right. Her personality is just so contagious and she's just like loud and effervescent and you can't help but kind of be drawn into anything she does. I really, yeah, I'm really kind of in love, love with her. I got to be honest. Like, right. I think I would never be someone like a good partner for her. <laughs> I think she oh, needs. Oh, yeah. God, no. <laughs> but but yeah, like just watching her be a human being, I think it helped me connect with her music. There's two big things that helped me connect with her music. Watching the David Letterman interview, seeing who she is kind of as a person, because she was incapable of being anything other than herself with him. She didn't have any kind of, she wasn't putting on airs for the interview. Like it was in her home because it was recorded during COVID. Mm-hmm. So she was very, very comfortable during it, which I'm sure you you probably felt as well. Oh, and it was kind of impossible not to sort of fall in love with how bigger than life she is in her, just in her own home and in her own, in her own skin. Watching her in the Tiny Desk episode was the same thing because she's playing in the... I don't know how many people fit in that little thing, but it looks like a small office. So maybe 20, 25 people are stuffed in there. You know, and she's playing the same way, performing the same way that she performed at Glastonbury, but to 20 people on a, sitting on a stool. But she's still, like, waving her arms and, like, getting them to sing along. And, like, you know, that's a sign of a true artist, right? They say is it doesn't matter what room you're in you perform the same. And so I really enjoyed that. And the thing that most of all helped me connect with this album was listening to it with my daughters, because I listened to a couple of the songs, uh, cause I love you. And like a girl I hadn't heard before. And I was really struggling to like get anything from them. And I put 
put the album on just on the drive home from picking the kids up one day. And Like a Girl came on, or Because I Love You came on first. And my older daughter is like singing along at the top of her lungs in the backseat of my car. Then Like a Girl came on, which I completely thought was forgettable. And listening to her love it helped me connect with this album. So I probably wouldn't have connected with this album anywhere near as much as I did had it not been for my kids, which was sort of similar to Sia. But in this way, I know what Lizzo means to them, sort of like, especially my older daughter, as we discussed, she's someone that struggles with her weight like her parents do. And I know that Lizzo means a big deal to her as someone that tells her like a grown up as a, you know, a, a musical idol, celebrity idol that tells her to feel good about who she is, regardless of who may tease her at school or something like that. Yeah, that's it's heartbreaking, but also heartwarming, if that makes any sense. But I, I, it's, I think that's cool. I think that's going to be part of this journey we're taking. And that's a big part of the journey with music in general is the way it connects, like the way you connect to it and what factors in your life kind of influence your take on the music. So yeah. like we had talked a little bit to a lesser degree, right? I have two sisters. They're quite, quite a bit younger than us. My, my parents fostered for years and years. And then my dad just couldn't let go. So they ended up adopting both girls. Oh, yeah. um, and they're both like predominantly black. Aaron's like, they ended up having to do DNA tests for some adoption thing. I can't honestly remember the specifics. So Aaron came back as... She's a 23andMe hipster. Yeah. <laughs> so she, cool. Yeah, she's like, what was it? It was like 76% black community. So like tracing back to South Africa, like her map was just lit up. Molly, right. on the other hand, we laughed. Molly, we always thought was black because mom wasn't sure who the father was. Right. So she's got like the really cute tight curls, the dark complexion. Turns out Molly's actually 50% Indian, like hmm. from India. And 50%, like East Asian? Yeah, East Asian, but like specifically India. Her 23 huh. me results was India and Ireland. She is 50, <laughs> what is it? 50.2 or 50.3 Indian and 49.7 Irish, like almost perfectly split down the middle. And let me tell you, you wouldn't know this girl is even the slightest bit white to look at her. Huh. So I remember when Erin kind of first discovered Lizzo. So okay. Erin's predominantly black and she's very aware that she's black and she's aware she's been adopted into a white family. It's always right. been something we've been really open about. And I remember when Lizzo first really started taking off. And while Erin doesn't struggle with her weight, right, she's, as so many people in the black community do, she struggled to find people to look up to like people in mainstream media that weren't vilified or gaslit or you know put on the back burner yeah. i remember her excitement just seeing lizzo being up on the stage being who she is size be damned in all her black glory just <laughs> giving it her all so right like we kind of had talked i think at the end of last episode which got cut but we had talked sometimes it's hard for us to fully appreciate the context and the culture surrounding artists or their music right we're both middle-aged white men from middle-class families at the end of the day like this isn't the type of music that would really speak to us on a personal or spiritual level but in yeah. almost in the way that you experienced it you know through your daughter i re remember experience i don't know if i'll ever forget the way aaron's face lit up when she could at a whim pull up the music video on her phone and be like look right like it's sometimes yeah. it feels like and it's heartbreaking. She's full of upset. She's 13, right? She said, like, sometimes it feels like the world hates us. So it's nice to just have an example of black is good and body positivity is good and pride and confidence. 
And I think that's really important for her now because she's 13. She's going into ostensibly like middle school, high school. Mm-hmm. So it's it's about to be a really tough time in her life, especially being a black girl from a white family. Yeah. So, yeah, it was just incredible to actually experience and see the very real, very visceral effect that having appropriate role models can do. Right. Just not even as something to aspire to, just as something to be like, look, who I am and what I am is is fine and healthy and I'm allowed to embrace it. But yeah, like you said, man, I, I fucking love Lizzo. I, I don't remember the first time I heard. Actually, I think the first song I heard was Boys, and I don't remember when I heard it. It just would have been like a YouTube recommendation or a Spotify thing. But I just, it's just that infectious optimism in all of her music. And then, like you said, coupled with watching her as a performer, her talent is immense. She's clearly one of the most talented performers we've seen in decades and decades. But she's also very real. A lot of times in her interviews, she'll talk about periods in her life where, you know, she didn't feel great about her body or even now she goes through slumps where she just doesn't love herself the way she wishes to all the time and right. it's it's nice to see that despite her performances and her music being these huge louder than life you know high energy positivity it's comforting to see her just be unabashedly human like she'll talk about how she's gone on stage before and just been like hey guys i don't really feel like myself tonight you know, so energy might be a little bit lower. She said she's cried on stage when she's having bad days. And she said a big part of it is that like, she's never been at a concert where the crowd didn't cheer just to make her feel better. Yeah. She never felt like they were pushing her to perform because they paid. They were just there to support her. And it's just like, that's a really, that's just a really fucking cool thing. At the end of the day, it's just cool to see this, this incredible inspirational, immensely talented person accept and be honest about the fact that they're still human. They're not, they're not portraying themselves as a larger than life or, you know, above the the kind of average person. Yeah. And yeah, it was just really refreshing. And yeah, she's so infectious and fun and her, yeah, her interview with Letterman on my next guest is very, is so good. It's one of the best interviews I've ever watched. Yeah. It was the first one of those I've watched. I put on one, I think ages ago from his previous season, I think it was Obama. I think I might've watched the Obama Mm -hmm. one, but I just saw that new episodes had come up and she was in the, in the trailer for it on Netflix. And I was like, well, shit, I'm listening to Lizzo. I'll just go watch it. Mm -hmm. And I hadn't really listened to the album a whole lot at that point because I was struggling to get past the hits. Um, The first song of hers I'd heard was juice. Um, yeah, Renee like, had been listening to it with the girls and she was like, play juice in the car. It'll be funny. I'm like juice by who she's like, you're the oldest man in the world. <laughs> <laughs> and so I put it on and like the girls are in the back, like fucking jamming. So that was my, and I didn't really know any other Lizzo songs other than that. Like I knew boys I'd heard that around and I heard, um, I think tempo a little bit, but like, I'd heard sort of like juice was the only one I'd really heard more than once i think i listened to boys just to be like is that a lizzo song i hear it everywhere yeah and then um and so i put this thing on to sort of because i quite often find new music by watching documentaries it's been sort of a lot of how i've discovered new music in my life is because i really like watching music documentaries and it's like i can watch and learn all about this artist even if i know nothing about them i'll come away with understanding where they've come from probably have heard their music in the documentary it gives me a starting point and so I figured I'd, I'd take this approach of watching this Letterman interview. And yeah, it was impossible not to like just fall completely in love with this woman watching her sort of control the room and stuff like that. Because I've, I've watched some now that I've watched a bunch of those Letterman ones and I watched Letterman when he was on TV for real. You can tell that he's so used to like pushing a show forward that he quite often like 
talks over people or doesn't let them finish their sentences because it's sort of like, you know, commercial breaks coming. Yeah. And he doesn't have that here, but it's just he's been doing it for so long. I find it difficult for him to not do it. It seemed like he did it to Tina Fey when I watched hers um, a lot, I found, which was interesting. And he did it to a few other people that's not really worth getting into because we're not talking about them. But I found Lizzo actually pushed him like she pushed him in the interview more than he tried to push her. You know, he sort of guided the interview, but he gave her space to speak in a way that I haven't seen him do in some of the other interviews. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was really cool. He, he gave Dave Chappelle kind of the space that he gave Lizzo. And I think Dave Chappelle is used to commanding a room of people who, as much as we all love comedians, you go to a comedian's show with your arms folded, right? Like, yeah. all right, impress me, make me laugh. So he's used to sort of overcoming that winning over an audience and I think controlling a room and controlling a conversation. So he was very successful at it. And I found she was equally so, which probably speaks to who she's had to be in her life to be heard. Yeah, uh, that's a really good point, right? That's a, I was going to say that that's, you know, just the consequence of constantly overcoming adversity. And obviously, as a big black woman in the music industry, she has had nothing but adversity to overcome. But it'd be presumptuous to say that because watching her, it's hard. It's hard to believe that's just that it's not just a natural talent she has. Like, I can't imagine being in the room with Lizzo and not instantly being kind of awestruck into letting her fully be in charge. Yeah. And that's actually a good point. I'm glad you mentioned that because you're right. I found Letterman does that. And the way I looked at it too was I feel like that's, it's almost like a huge testament to the level of talent and personality Lizzo has is that like Dave Chappelle is a legend, both in, in comedy, in activism. He's just, he's been around so long and he's done so many incredible things. Yeah. And for Letterman to almost just like naturally fall into the same type of respect and space that he would give like Chappelle so far into the legacy Chappelle created mm-hmm. really kind of stunned me. I was like, how, how incredible an imperson- a personality must Lizzo have and be that when someone like Letterman, who's like you said, is used to commanding the room and the conversation since she yeah. walked in and was just like, Oh, I'm not in charge here right away. Uh, yeah, and she challenged really him cool. with trying to play the flute and like, <laughs> yeah, and like spit bars and stuff like that. I think one of the things that's interesting about Lizzo is that you know she is 32 now, and she, this album came out in 2019, so she was you know 30, 31, so she was in her 30s, kind of when fame really hit her, mm-hmm. which is a lot older than a lot of people. You think of people like Justin Bieber or Ariana Grande. Who else is big right now that's sort of like of that oh. Mickey Mouse Club kind of pop star? I honestly can tell you. <laughs> okay, well, like Lady Gaga. I think I like, know, yeah, I know. Like, they were sort of like in like their late teens, early 20s. Like you think of when like Britney Spears became famous, Christina Aguilera. Like they're all like 18, 19, mm-hmm. 20, like very, very young. Um, and Lizzo had her, you know, all of her teen years to sort of like get through her awkwardness and all of that. And then all of like majority of her 20s. Um, her first album, her first solo album, anyway, Whistle Bangers came out in 2013. So, and but you know she didn't really experience fame until until 2018, 2019. And so you know to I think you're once you hit your 30s, you really know you're kind of well on your way to kind of being sort of embedded in who you are. There's things about yourself that you want to change that usually involves quite a lot of therapy because you're just <laughs> so, you're becoming so set in your ways and you're 
brain patterns are sort of just the way that they are at that point. Yeah. And whereas if you're suddenly thrust into fame and notoriety at a time in your life when you're still very much developing emotionally and mentally and all of that, I think, you know, all of those people struggle. All of them. You think like Britney Spears struggles so much to this day, she's still not in control of her own life. Yeah. Like her, it, uh, over the last year, like her, the, the amount that her father and other people are in control of her life through their, con, uh, conservatorship. Yeah. Like, she still hasn't become free of that. And I just saw it was back in the news on Reddit again this week that she had gone back to court to try and get her dad out of her life legally. And she lost again. Yeah. So like the fame really plays on these people, but Lizzo becoming really famous at 30, I think really put her in a position where she was able to take the, you know, the bull by the horns and sort of say like, this is who I am. I'm not going to get thin for you. I'm not going to change for you. I'm not going to do different music for you. Fuck you. This is who I am. And, and she's old enough that she can take on the responsibility of being a role model for real in a way that people who are in like, teens and early 20s are in no real position to be a role model. They are sort of thrust into that position because of their notoriety and fame, but they're really not in a position to be that. By the time you're in your 30s, like absolutely, you you should be embedded enough as a human being to know right and wrong and to know how to behave yourself and this and that to be a proper role model. And I think she's really taking the bull by the horns in a way that is going to help give her longevity and you know, I think she just just came at the right time. Yeah, I think that's a good point is that Lizzo being who she is, you know, fame finding her when it finally did in her 30s, her history of being an outspoken activist and marching for what's right, I think just made her the perfect candidate to be the voice for so many people that have never had their voices listened to. And I think she handles it incredibly well. Um, and part of that is why I love that she's so honest, because a, a big part of what we struggled with growing up and what new generations in particular are and will continue to struggle with is living up to this Hollywood ideal, right? Like the, the Vogue magazine model. And I think it's really important that we're starting to see the emergence of voices that contradict that and let people know that, hey, we're all fucking human. And Lizzo being like, I have fucking bad days too. Um, you know, I come out and I cry on stage and then I fucking perform my music because that's my job. And I think it'll... It's a nice kind of grounding to these huge lofty ideals we're so used to building up in our heads and trying to live up to. It's nice to just be reminded that, you know, sometimes life fucking sucks. And part of being an adult is just you feel how you feel about it and then you figure out how to move on. Yeah. I don't know, man. I fucking I love Lizzo. I love everything Lizzo represents. Uh I think she does great work. And this album is the shit. So like we talked about, I was having just consequences of some bullshit that happened post-traveling when I was already kind of exhausted and just tired. I was just having a real fucking bad day today. Just, I called it a super indulgent emo day. Um, <laughs> and like literally nothing was just making me feel better. I tried, I played games, I watched movies, you know, I was playing with the baby, which helped for a bit. And then he went to bed and I didn't have a baby to play with somewhere. So yeah. I came down and I was just like, we, I think we both do. We play like the album on while we're getting ready to record and while we're talking and yeah. just five maybe six minutes into the album i already could feel myself feeling better like the weight on my shoulders was starting to go away it's just very rarely do i really get moved by music just like i always enjoy it i love singing along to it but i rarely ever feel almost like an emotional impact from it and it was just incredible to me that 
two or three tracks into this album, this day I'd been lamenting and moaning and groaning about all day, just suddenly <laughs> got a hundred times better because I had Lizzo fucking pumping in the background, just giving me feel good vibes. That's awesome. So we've talked a lot about how much she's awesome as a, as a person, as a songwriter, as a role model. What, uh, what fucking songs do you want to talk about, man? Oh my God. How do we, how do we pick? Like, I just, this album, I genuinely think start to finish is a, it's a fucking masterpiece. It's a, it's a work of art. The way Lizzo so like seemingly without any like trouble, like it seems so easy. She flows between these big soulful gospel tracks almost into like funk and a little bit of R and B and then she'll bust out some rap and she fuses it all with this really upbeat, like high tempo pop. It just, Oh, it's such an incredible sound. And her range vocally in particular is so, so, so impressive. But right, like, so we go from like Juice into Soulmate. It's one of my favorite songs. I fucking love it. Love Yourself. It's a fucking perfect track. But then like where she goes from Soulmate into Jerome has always caught me because yeah, these where she got these big high belting notes in Jerome. Yeah. Um, coupled with the fact that it's this really old school, like soulful love song. But it's all yeah. about her telling this, 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 <laughs> young, this young kid. Bricks. <laughs> yeah, this, this young kid who's trying too hard to impress her and just clearly isn't ready for her to be like, nah, fucking go home and grow up first. Come back when yeah. you're ready. I just, I love it. I love Maybe it. that's why I feel like I'd never be enough of a man for her because of Jerome. It's like, man, if a man named Jerome isn't even enough for the like, <laughs> chance, do I have? <laughs> yeah, I just, I love, I love that she. This album, I think, challenges a lot of kind of preconceived notions we have about this genre of music and about like R&B and soul and like you don't you don't really hear soul music anymore and it's it's incredible to me that she was able to create one of the best-selling pop albums I was gonna say of all, probably honestly of all time like she this album consistently charted in the top 10 and let me check while you talk yeah double check that for me but I'm pretty sure I read that the the album charted twice at six when it got, I don't know if it got re-released or it just entered rotation again and people picked it up, but it peaked at six twice. And then you have like standout tracks like Truth Hurts, Juice, like you said, Juice was everywhere. But yeah, I think she challenges a lot of kind of preconceived notions we have about how pop music works and how soul music works. And she blends them all together and creates a new, very contemporary sound. I don't know. I just, it's hard to almost find the words to do it justice. Cause like, cause I love you is so, so good. Um, about the importance of recognizing how your relationship's working, whether it is the importance of knowing yourself and knowing your partner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Juice is just so much goddamn fun. You can't hear Juice and not smile. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, right? It's just about getting drunk and having fun and not being ashamed or afraid to admit that, hey, <laughs> sometimes we get drunk and we have fun, and that's totally cool. <laughs> right and then soulmate i just i really love it i love it as a concept of you know loving yourself and knowing that nobody's ever going to be better for you than you are and i love yeah. the framing of it in the context of like i tried a lot and none of it was good enough so i'm gonna just love myself because i know i'll always be here for me <laughs> and, yeah, I, and i know what i like it's just a really <laughs> good song just to swing back real, real quick didn't get a firm number on total sales um but i suspect with downloads and stuff it's hard to sort of pin those down now but uh, Brazil, gold, 20,000 sales, uh, certified units. Canada, platinum, 80,000. United Kingdom, gold, 100,000. United States, platinum with a million. 
And keep in mind, that's only in the first year. That's sales certifications on Wikipedia anyway. It's like certified units for Cause I Love You. Mm -hmm. So that's uh, some of them include streaming. Some of them don't. So it's at least that. Right. Yes. That's that's your base point for it. That and for essentially her first big mainstream album in the span, because it dropped in June or July. Right. So in the span of six, eight months to go platinum in both Canada and and the States is pretty huge, especially for a time when we're pretty inundated with pop music. And we're seeing this trend where pop music's tending to be less well-received Yeah, in place of the, like that new wave of counterculture we're starting to see come back and the reinvention of like hair metal that's starting. So yeah, it's just incredible <laughs> that this album picked up steam so quickly and then just moved from there. And I think whatever Lizzo puts out next is going to, be a monster album it's gonna be i hope so i hope she has staying power because i think she deserves it yeah yeah i i I genuinely hope so yeah the album was released in april 19th 2019 but honestly yeah it sold very well and it's incredibly successful but it's almost impossible to really compare sales of an album now to something like thriller back when you had to buy an album to get it yeah exactly right we're we're in this weird transitionary period where you have to consider like streaming listens streaming downloads Mm-hmm. legit album sales so it's hard to put a number on it but i can't think of the last time i went more than say a week without hearing lizzo somewhere in the background whether it's somebody listening to it near me uh in the background of a commercial on an ad it just it's she's everywhere and she deserves it you're so right she deserves it i hope her success continues yeah, it's the only 100%. ones i really wanted to talk about were like boys because couldn't tell you why but it's kane's favorite song like hands down <laughs> That fucking baby loves boys and he has since like day one. Like when he, if he's crying or like he's in the car fussing, we put it on and sing and he's back there laughing, like stuffing his hand in his mouth because babies are gross. <laughs> but yeah, just having a time of his they life. They really are. <laughs> <laughs> so boys is just a, it's a very, very, very good track. It's so fun. It's that like neo pop R and B that Lizzo I think honestly is the pioneering force behind. And I think we're going to start seeing a lot more of it in the coming years, but it's, it's a good, it's a feel good song. Like the rest of this album honestly is. And my baby loves it for me personally. <laughs> I had, I listened to this album. So like I can tell you it, I didn't count. I lost track at like 10 or 11 listens. That's awesome. I was just powering through it. I just, I just love it. There's, there's never been a point where even a single song from this album has come on. And I've been like, eh, not in the mood. I always <laughs> to Lizzo. And, after so many repeated listens, I would originally told you that Juice or Jerome were my favorite, but I fucking love Better in Color. It's such a good song. Better in Color is good. I, I, I want to touch on Jerome, though, because yeah. Jerome, I think, is the it starts with Cause I Love You, which is sort of that big sort of performance song. But then it gets to Jerome and I was just like, OK, now she's starting to really lay it down. The lyrics are great. I like the the chord changes and stuff. Her voice really powers through. It's very, very, very thin song. And to me, I was just like, this woman knows jazz music. You can tell that, like, you know, as a flute player and stuff. Yeah. And she's very familiar with, like, stripped down jazz music. Because I was like, this could be an Amy Winehouse song. And I love that she's singing it. And I love that she takes the album there so early. Because I love you. She plays it a lot in concerts. She starts, she opens her her shows with it quite often i find at least in the stuff that i was listening to mm-hmm. but i find that like you know like a girl's big juice is big soulmate's big and then it's just like let's get let's just cut it back and do this like really stripped down 
story, but it's not a songbird, which I think is cool because it so easily could have been. It could complete Jerome could completely kick you out of the album, and it doesn't. I think it really speaks to the power of the song yeah. and the power that she brings by to her voice to carry it through from those big, big, big songs that start the album. Yeah, that's a really good point. I think vocally, her performance on Jerome is the most stunning to me. It's stunning, especially in that kind of context that you're talking about, where we go from these big, fast, fun songs to this slow, operatic, like, yeah, jazzy soul. And her voice, despite the fact that it's these long, slower notes, her voice feels as powerful and as energetic as they do on songs like Juice. And that's, mm-hmm. that's like, incredible, mind-blowing to me that to have that range and to understand her, like, obviously her and her team, understand the composition and the kind of the, the interplay of all the different tracks and how, how they feel listening to it as an album. Because honestly, yeah. this might be the, one of the most well-paced album I've ever listened to. Like you said, you've got, Cause I Love You starts off slow and then hits you with that deep beat. Yeah. Like a girl starts to ramp up. Juice is just woo right up there. Super high energy. We come a little down for soulmate. And then we launch into Drome and the album continues to flow perfectly. And we've, even in the first five tracks already experienced this, this amazing kind of up and down the kind of mountain of range and genres. Yeah. And it, it really, really sets the tone to the album to be like, no matter what Lizzo does, Lizzo fucking does it. Lizzo delivers <laughs> every time. Yeah. And it just, I can't, I can't get over how immensely talented she is and how immensely talented everybody who worked on this album must have been for it to be so like I said, where I said earlier, it seems seamless. Like it required no work. It's it's very rare you see albums like this that all the way through just feel like a perfectly completed package. Yeah, and as we've touched on before with a couple of others, this album has ten producers. I was ten. looking at that. There's a lot. Like the, the ten, crew. including X Ambassadors, and X Ambassadors is a band we should get to pretty soon on this podcast. Mm-hmm. It's literally what I thought when I saw their name pop up. I was like, "Ooh, <laughs> I wasn't expecting that, but I'm down." <laughs> yeah, definitely. We'll have to get to X Ambassadors pretty soon. Okay, so Jerome, fucking winner. Are there any other tracks you want to kind of touch on? I um, that had say like a a big impact on you, like kind of like that. I think the song that I mean, I liked. I Juice was the one I listened to the most. It's the, my first taste of Lizzo, and it's the one that kind of shows up in my Spotify, like, you know, you've been playing this song an awful lot. <laughs> <laughs> Tracks. Yeah. And it's sort of funny, because it's sort of like, low-key, I think I played a lot. I don't feel like I listened to it a lot, but it, I mean, the numbers don't lie, I suppose. <laughs> so there's, a, I think the song that really just, like, I kept coming back to, the one that kept getting stuck in my head was Tempo. Oh, so with yeah. um, another great love of mine, the great Missy Elliott, almost who down. I almost, almost I was going to maybe suggest for this week, but I've chosen someone different just because Missy Elliott's albums are longer. Mm, fair enough. But I want to continue this trend of like big powerhouse ladies. So I've got another one for this week. It's not Missy Elliott, but it almost was. That's okay. <laughs> we will be doing Missy Elliott because it just to quickly goes without saying Missy Elliott is one of the most talented and one of the most recognized talents in music history between the albums, the production work, the screen work she's done for movies and shit. Yeah. But yeah, she's what the only black woman in the songwriters hall of fame. Is that true? I think I heard that. Let me see. I think I heard that when she was announced, she's, I know she's the first black woman to win actually two or three awards. I can't remember if, 
Hall of Fame is one of them. I think she's in the Songwriters Hall of Fame. I think she's the first black woman yeah, in the Songwriters Hall of Fame. And I was just like, fuck yes. <laughs> I'm sure there's people who deserve it just as much, but you cannot yeah, be mad about absolutely. that. For, she's actually the first female rapper, so the first female and black okay. rapper inducted into the Songwriters Hall of Fame. She also received, what was it? I just saw it. God damn it. Why am I like, my brain's all over the fucking place today. It's okay. Uh, she there is another one I lost it because I closed the fucking page on myself. But yeah, she was the first first female rapper inducted into the Songwriting Hall of Fame. Yeah, yeah, deserves it. I'm sure Missy Elliott will be coming up in the next couple of weeks, next month at the most. I'm sure if you're uh, if you're a listener of ours. There you go. So quickly, she also was the first female rapper to be awarded the Michael Jackson Video Vanguard Award, which I don't know what that is, but impressive and good for her nonetheless. She has some pretty cool videos. I don't know. I just I like I like Missy Elliott a lot. I haven't listen to much of her stuff that's not hits mm-hmm. i'll be honest which is why i wanted to i wanted to get into missy elliott i wanted to to throw her up as like let's listen to her because she's one of those people it's like you know it's like your list of books or list of artists is like oh i should really get to that missy elliott's one is like i should really listen to more than like her hits yeah for <laughs> sure she's so talented but i just love tempo i just the two of them work well off each other. I should have watched the video, I think, because I think from the little clip of the video I saw on Spotify, it looks hilarious. Yeah, so the video is probably gold. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It just it's a good it's a good slow jam. I'm a sucker for a slow jam, and it just it is tempo with Missy, and then right into exactly how I feel featuring Gucci Mane. Like you don't even notice that song transition. Yeah, I'll agree with that. It just it flows so well between the two. Yeah, it's so good. And the, yeah, and just, you know, Missy, like, going with a rhyming scheme where she's rhyming, like, like mm-hmm. I was like, God, this woman's just so much smarter than me. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, she but- just, you know, it does nothing I do in my life will ever put me at a level where I am creating a rapping, rhyming structure off of rolling my R's. Like, Missy Elliott's just on another level. And again, as somebody like a bigger black woman who's experienced success and got success kind of later in life, I think her and Lizzo, like you couldn't produce, I think, a more appropriate pairing. I think if Missy Elliott didn't appear on a Lizzo record on this one, I would have thought that was more weird than anything else. Yeah, I agree with that. Like we kind of touched on, right? This is two incredibly successful, very positive icons coming together to produce an absolute powerhouse of a song and i I do love that the song tempo is literally about how they can't fuck the slow songs but it's it's (laughs) like compared to the rest a relatively slow song yeah it's just one of those fun little kind of like oxymorons almost that it's clever yeah it's clever and so many of the tracks on this album are clever which is a big reason i love it but yeah missy elliott and lizzo is a perfect combination and like you said they play off each other very very well missy elliott's rap is phenomenal yeah. As it always has been. Yeah, I, I totally get why you like it. Yeah, so that was one I really wanted to talk about. You already touched on Boys, which I think is is great as well. Water Me, the last song on the album, mm-hmm. is one that I probably listened to the least because I kept putting the album on and kind of not getting all the way through it because I was driving somewhere. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd be driving to my second job or something like that. I'd get to the end of like Cry Baby and I'd, have to, and I'd be at work and I'd... By the time I left work like five hours later and it was really late, I was just like, I don't want to listen to music. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> I get that. But Water Me fucking bangs, man. It, it just sticks with you. as It's such a strong way to end. And we often talk about how the last song in an album quite often gets forgotten about. And it's really interesting to see how different artists approach it. 
It's such a good, upbeat song, but it's not, I don't know, it's, I, I'm not even really sure how to describe it, it's just, the, I think it just has good flow, again, like, because she's a rapper, she's not really rapping in this song, she's singing more. And the sound effects. But, the sound and effects. the sound effects are good, but, you know, she's sort of, you know, yeah, the... Right? <laughs> the choo-choo. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, so I think, I think Water Me is a really, really strong ending, like, I know you and I kind of ramble on for a long time about albums that we struggle to connect with and stuff. And I think because we both connect with this so much, we're almost at a loss for what to say about it. Okay. I'm glad it's not just me. Cause yeah, <laughs> like, I just, I don't really have any critique, which is right. Obviously a big part of this is, you know, what we loved, what we praise and what we critique. Cause it just doesn't connect. And I just, there isn't, there isn't a single song on this album that I could sit down and genuinely critique because any any grievance i might find with any of these songs is going to be so minor compared to how much i love them yeah but i'm glad you because yeah water me is it's a fucking banger god damn and i i think for me part of that thing with the flow is that right this whole album is relentlessly optimistic mm-hmm. and that's just lizzo's vibe and i think we have songs like juice where the energy like it's not about being mellow and happy it's about getting you amped it's getting you right on up there like even boys is that way it's like come on get out there dance with me sing along where water me well still very easy to do those things too is a is a more mellow almost kind of flow to it it's like a yeah we're just kind of happy we're vibing we're just chilling out now it's not trying to amp you up into more which like you said a lot of times when we talk about the final song on the album we critique it because it's usually like it's either a throw it sounds like a throwaway song that just got added for runtime or Right. There's some albums where that last song is this weird, crazy, high energy powerhouse. And then this album ends and like you've been brought up to this point where you're expecting almost like a musical like crescendo and then nothing happens. And I like that Water Me manages to still be fun and upbeat and easy to enjoy without amping you up to more and more when nothing's coming. I think the way she's laid this album out is more like a concert set list, which I think is smart. I think a lot of bands don't do that. I think last songs on an album are something that I have always kind of subconsciously paid attention to because sometimes they're so, so different. Like you say, you know, if you, some of my favorite albums have some really bizarre last songs on them, like uh, Revolver by the Beatles has Tomorrow Never Knows, which is so amazingly weird compared to the whole rest of the album. And I know you're not a big Beatles fan, so you may not have any reference for this. Yeah, not much. <laughs> but it's basically like the whole album is more or less just like kind of just 60s rock music. What do you kind of expect for the Beatles in that era? It's largely Revolver's largely considered to be their best album. It's sort of like the musicians that like the Beatles or, you know, all of them. Revolver is far and away most voted their best album, more so than Sgt. Pepper, which I love because I don't really like that album and I think it's really overrated. Um, (laughs) We'll get to it someday when I'm just feeling in a ranty mood. But it's just like rock music. And then all of a sudden, Tomorrow Never Knows comes on. And it's just like this psychedelic like trip out. And then it ends. And you're like, what What just happened to me? Or something in the way on Nirvana's Nevermind, where you're going through this whole thing where it's a lot of like, it's a grunge rock, a seminal grunge rock album. And then you get to the end and it's him with a slightly out of tune acoustic guitar and a, and a cello singing this really quiet song. And then the album ends. It's just, I find last songs can really, they're really like, it's it's sort of interesting to see where bands go. And I think... Lizzo with this, at least with this version of her album, Water Me hits like the last song yeah. of a concert. You could you could play this whole thing as a concert. Water Me 
would be the big like banger at the end to leave people wanting more. It could be the beginning of the set, or it could be the end of the encore. Yeah, I think, I think either it, way, it would be it would a good fit well. no matter kind of where you put it. Which, it's a good point yeah. that it's it's set up very like a concert set, which I hadn't really thought about, but you nailed it. I think, too, a lot of that is with the emergence of streaming music and kind of on-the-go listening, I think we'll probably start seeing more albums like this because we're we're moving away from the idea of like a concept album because those were designed so that you sit down you know, put on the record and start like, listen, start to finish in one go. And that's just not how so many of us consume music anymore. I would love to, but I, I don't have the fucking time in the day to listen yeah. to every album I like start to finish. Having a setup like this, where yeah. like you said, I throw it on in the car and I could, I could hit the skip button at random. I'm going to land on a track that just is, it slaps. <laughs> There's just no getting around it. And yeah, it's cool that you could pick up no matter where you are on this album. You could turn your music off for three hours, pick it back up in the same spot, and you're not going to feel out of place. You don't feel like you've missed anything. You feel like you're just starting where you should. And I think it is worth mentioning, like, the original yeah. album ends on Lingerie, track 11. And I actually still think Lingerie is a very good ending track for the original album. Because Lingerie is, it's that slower kind of... Yeah come down song and again honestly i don't even think i'd call it a songbird because there's not a single song i listened to where i was like oh that's weird or oh what track is this it was just fucking listen into the music okay well since you're touching on it okay what's that let's run our segment now (laughs) let's do songbird what's actually do you have a songbird for this (laughs) album <laughs> yeah, I do, and it's well, one. Well, sorry right? to you know <laughs> count those chickens before they hatch. No, that's fine, but that's why we run one playlist on Songbird is because yeah, we don't always agree that there even is one, so it's no big deal. I can see if on the original release of this album, Lingerie was the last song. I don't think it would be. I think that's a really interesting last song for you know <laughs> the rant I ran went on ten minutes ago. But in this in this format, Lingerie for me is 100% a songbird. Like I said, Jerome was close, but Lingerie, I think I listened to it once. For me, it, it the song, she sings it well, but I don't really relate. I don't Fair. connect with songs that try to be sexy. And I think Lizzo is an incredibly sexy lady. I love me a big, thick lady. 100%. Nothing about like anything that she's describing. I just don't find songs ever to be sexy. I just, I don't know why. I don't. I just, I just, I just don't. I get all kinds of emotion out of songs. <laughs> Arousal is just not one of them. And lingerie, she's singing to be arousing. You know, it's the mic is obviously turned up really high. She's singing very close to it. You can hear her like mm-hmm. tongue on her lips or and her tongue on her teeth. And she's like really slowed down. And she's just trying to be real sexy. And she is. Hundred <laughs> percent. Right? Did I mention I'm in love with her? <laughs> But the song just doesn't work for me, personally. I think it's a great song. I couldn't write one as well as that. <laughs> and so I always try and put that caveat on things that I don't like. That it's like, I'm not saying I could do better. It's just as a listener, my personality, I did, lingerie doesn't work for me. So yeah, for me, fair enough. I, totally get it. This I, one's I actually do agree about the like <laughs> arousing songs, as it were. It's, I've never fucking understood it. Nothing has ever spoken to me in a way where I was like, Ooh, I get it. No, it's, but I just happen to still like it as a track. And like you said, framed in the context of the original album, I think it is a really good ending track. I think it would still, it would probably still feel like a songbird regardless. And like you touched on, 
if there were going to be any songbirds for me, it was either Jerome or Lingerie. And I just, even though Lingerie is like, it starts really slow and quiet and it builds up, it still just didn't really feel out of place to me. It still felt like just the continuation of this cycle we're seeing on the album where it's, you know, mid, high, and then low tempo kind of over and over again with different tracks. And I love the way she sings Lingerie. I think Lingerie, especially in the frame of a like ending track is such an incredible vocal performance. I don't feel anything listening to Landre, but I do enjoy the hell out of it. It's it's just a very very well made song and I think I think Landre almost to me felt like Lizzo's chance to just showcase what she's capable of in the same way that Jerome did, right? She, Jerome let mm-hmm. her hit those big like high soul gospel notes and I loved it. And I love that lingerie was almost the opposite of that, where she yeah. sings she sings lower and slow and kind of like deeper. Yeah, well, Jerome's about an ex-boyfriend, and lingerie is obviously about someone she's tr- yeah. she's trying to well, yeah, like, um, if you, keep in her life. Jerome, to me, <laughs> Jerome always struck me as like not even really like an ex-boyfriend, just like <laughs> they hooked up or, you know, did whatever. And then she realized like, man, this kid's a fucking kid. Like he's where she says like, 2 a.m. photos with smileys and hearts just ain't doing it for me or whatever whatever the line is fucking makes me laugh Mm. every time because yeah Yeah. i picture this like 20 maybe 21 year old guy who's just way in over his head has no fucking clue the kind of person he's dealing with and her just being like yeah clearly you don't walk away (laughs) before this gets bad (laughs) like yeah like lingerie's just (laughs) it's good but yeah i totally get what you mean by songs not being arousing because they're not (laughs) <laughs> they're just not i've just never found it like as much as you know i watched my <laughs> friend roger rabbit and saw jessica rabbit sing her song and is probably one of my first arousing moments in my childhood right <laughs> it wasn't the song that made it arousing so you know and I'm, I'm down to like fuck with music on and stuff like don't get me wrong like i think music works that way it's just yeah i don't know it just i think i think those kinds of songs are from a different time when sex and pornography and arousing yeah things i think it's weren't so it's a holdover from and honestly the one i always think of just because i personally can't fucking stand it is pony i don't get it i hate it pony is a bad song by fucking genuine <laughs> <laughs> like that's so so 90s um but yeah i think it's it's almost like a leftover from that era where we were when we were starting to push boundaries in music, inevitably one of those boundaries in the States was going to be sexuality and sex and song. Especially for black people. Yeah, exactly. Right. Especially when they were finally getting the chance to break into the music industry and get their voices heard. They had to essentially fight for the right to sing the same lyrical content and the same songs as fucking white folks have been singing forever. And it was this big fuck you counterculture movement to be like nah go fuck yourself we're gonna sing what we want people have sex that includes us well also the society repressed them so much right like yeah if like they were so repressed they were you know they weren't allowed to be anything other than robots in public you know they were religion repressed them but then they could go to these clubs at night and dance like crazy and listen to these crazy music and be human beings and i think they just let it all out there and i think a lot of that so their pent-up sexual energy and just energy in general of having to repress all of their emotions just to like survive in the white man's world just came pouring out of them in these moments at these like dance clubs and stuff. And I'm, I'm trying to think of the word and it's just, it's, it's escaping me because it's late at night. It's not like juke joint or oh, whatever. 
What do they call them? Yeah, I'm trying to think. Because I know Speakeasy specifically was a place that let you buy booze during Prohibition. And I know, yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you mean, but I can't think of any other word but Speakeasy. But yeah, these little, these underground clubs where they, they allowed people freedom in whatever small, you know, 20 minute blocks they could afford. They allowed people to be themselves and to be people in a world that wasn't allowing them to be human. And a lot of those white rock stars of the 50s say that they like learned how to do their music. The whole like they stole rock and roll music from black people because they'd be peeking through the windows at these people at night. And then they yeah, they took what they were doing and applied it and kind of created, you know, their own music sort of. I don't really want to go down this road (laughs) because I'm a white man. Fair enough. But (laughs) but it's just there's I think. I think it's a leftover from that time, and and I understand that I'm I could be in the minority. I don't think the song doesn't work, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, like no, that's totally fair. I get it. Um, and yeah, I think like it's, I don't know. I I get it, and I really think it's it's extremely appropriate for Lizzo to have that song, and it's extremely appropriate for her to have that style of song on her albums because that's what she's all about. And it's yeah, it's almost like a a good kind of like reminder of where it started, right? Like you said, hearing it made you think of that old leftover era of breaking boundaries and expressing yourself in a world that won't let you. And I think it's it's really important yeah. that that spirit stays alive and continues to evolve and adapt as as the world begins to open up. But yeah, no, I agree. S- yeah. Sexy songs, no. <laughs> it's just like... <laughs> not, <yeah. laughs> not for me, not for you. That's cool. <laughs> I'll say one thing I did like about this album though is the little mo- the little human moments that they left in. Oh, yeah. Where like at the end of like a girl, where she's like, "Wow, shit! Yeah. I didn't know this song was gonna end." <laughs> or at the end of tempo, and they're like, "Yeah, run that shit back!" Like I like I like those little moments where it's not quite perfect. I think it's a really clever way for her to show her humanity and how and to be like like approachable. I think she's you know trying to be like, "I'm not perfect either." Even see, look, I didn't even realize the song was ending. I like those little moments for the same reason I like live albums where they yeah. leave the concert bander in. It's just it gives you that little that little slit of light into the world that created the music. And I love those little moments. It's it's those little moments that yeah, make it feel these are human beings making this. And I love things where when you can use pro tools to make everything sound perfect. I love moments that aren't yeah, perfect um, in music. I totally agree. That's I'm really glad you brought it up because I kind of totally forgot about it. But I had, I had actually meant to mention that where we had talked earlier about her having that attitude as a entertainer and as a personality where she's not afraid to show her humanity. It's really, really, really fucking cool that you get that from her music as well because it's clearly such an integral and important part of who she is to herself that it was, it was, it almost feels like it was never a choice to cut that shit out. Yeah. And like you said, it's really cool that honestly, you can tell at the end, it's a lot of times it's just, they kept rolling in the studio and then they just made the choice to leave it in. And yeah, it's just, it's such yeah. a nice, yeah. it's a I nice love, little touch. I love shit like that. Um, and yeah, it's a callback to like old fucking for me, right? Like old fucking garage punk bands that were literally recorded by the three people in the band so they didn't have time or money to edit anything out so you hear them knocking shit over sometimes or like swearing when they get something wrong it helps it helps you connect right it helps you feel not like you're just listening to music but it helps you realize you're listening to a person perform that music for you yeah i I just love little imperfections Mm -hmm. in music like that in recordings in roxanne when the guy like sits on the piano 
accidentally and then Sting starts laughing mm-hmm. at him. Like they left it in the album. It's perfect. And there's like a watch beeping in certain in some record. And then there's in Day in the Life, another Beatles song that you probably don't really know. Um, <laughs> in the middle part, do you know Day in the Life? It closes um, Sergeant Pepper. Yeah, you probably heard it on the radio like a million times. Like I read the news today. Oh boy, it's the song with the big like. Yeah, I was gonna say I know I've heard it, but I not. It's the one that yeah, it's got the bridge, the yeah. middle part. that's like woke up, yeah, definitely. got out of bed, yeah. So in in the when they were recording that song before they had the big orchestration part in the middle, they just had Mal Evans counting out bars, and then he played a he set off an alarm clock at the end so that the band would know to come back in. So like, and then we're gonna mm-hmm. fill this part in later. But if you listen, they didn't take it out because maybe they couldn't because it was like glued to another track at that point. So if you listen really carefully through that orchestration, you can still hear Mal Evans counting and you can still hear the clock. And I just I just love shit like that. So I was really glad that this had stuff like that. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm kind of burned. I'm kind of burned yeah, on my ideas say, for like, this. It's going to be a shorter episode, but <laughs> that's almost high praise because it's shorter because we just we don't have enough to keep kind of nitpicking and digging into it. Lizzo is a goddamn icon. She means so much to so many people who have never had someone to look up to or a voice they could recognize. Mm-hmm. And fuck it, like, <laughs> the whole point of, you know, better in color. Just fucking love everybody. Like, just be just be who yeah. you are and be kind to others. That's the takeaway from her album. Go listen to it. It'll make you feel better. Just no matter what, it'll just make you feel better. Yeah, she she deserves every accolade that she's getting. A hundred percent. She is just a giant fucking beam of light in a dark gray world. And I'm the first person that's repeatedly said on this podcast that I don't listen to music particularly to feel happy. It's impossible not to feel good when you're listening to this to this album. It doesn't matter what the song is for the yeah. most part. I would say like you could listen. It's a whole thing. It's 42 minutes. With this for this version, which I I would say is probably we picked it because I would say mm. it's the proper version of the album. Uh, if you're not if you don't hear boys and truth hurts, you're really yeah. missing out. That shit we didn't really attitude. we didn't really touch on them but, uh, much. But boys and truth hurts are powerhouse tracks. They are they are what they are for a reason. Yeah. Like truth hurts being her like big smash out hit. There's a reason for it. It's a good good fucking track. So go listen. <laughs> well, listening to it like as a guy too. She's like she's singing about me in a way like she's she's probably the voice of women in my life that i've had relationships with that i didn't behave yeah, the way i should actually, have. you know like i've i've cut relationships short i've been unfaithful to people there's all kinds of shit that i've done like why are men great till they gotta be great it's like yeah at a beginning of a relationship like i'm the kind of person that's like oh anything you need and i try and be really agreeable and easy to get along with and just like oh i'm just happy to spend time with you and then you know and then like i i've, I've faltered and it's something that I've really been trying to work on the last several years, like through my losing my marriage and stuff like that. Like I've really had to sort of self-reflect and listening to Truth Hurts. It's like it's almost like hearing the other side of it. Yeah, that's that's you know, a really a good point, actually. Again, man, you just been fucking carrying me this episode. It's been so nice. <laughs> no, it's cool. It's cool. Like when she's like, you know, I'm glad you're back with your bitch. It's like I guarantee I can think of three, four or five people that probably have thought that about me. Because Renee and I have been on and off for so long and I've had other relationships in that time and stuff. So it's like listening to Truth Hurts, it hits hard with me because it makes me think of all the times that I should have been better as a man in my life. And there's times where I can say like I did things because of how I was being treated by someone else. 
or the other person in that relationship, or there's things that I did because of lack of experience. I didn't know how to deal with them and I didn't really have anybody to talk to about it and stuff. And I was just sort of fumbling my way through, you know, as much as I can say, like there are times, like I don't have to be that hard on myself about all of it. There's definitely times when I can see where someone would listen to truth hurts about me and be like, fuck him in the same way. That, you know, I had an ex-girlfriend, I think, that discovered 21 by Adele after we yeah. broke up. Uh, another another strong lady that we yeah. should feature on the podcast so, sometime. So I think, yeah, Truth Hurts. I think that's what I wanted to talk about Truth Hurts for. Because it's like, I'm not a woman. I'm not, I can't relate to it in the way that Lizzo has. But I can certainly self-reflect as the man that she could potentially be singing about. A hundred percent. And it's just nice to know that... Again, as a role model and as a strong woman that, you know, she's writing songs out there for people that have been fucked over by shitbags like I Yeah, that's, that's really, it just, that's a, I mean, such, a, I think such a big sign of maturity and growing up is you kind you've got to get to a point where you're, you're comfortable self-reflecting. And yeah, that's a really good point that this song, I get the same for me. I can absolutely think of at least two right off the top of my head who could sing that song about me <laughs> because we all. We all fuck up and we all, like you said, fumble our way through until we start kind of figuring it out. And it's important that you can look back at those mistakes as long as they're obviously not too heinous or intentional and be like, that was wrong. So what do I do right next time? And it's cool that Lizzo has created this music that, uh, that can appeal to both sides mm-hmm. of that, right? To, to both ends of a relationship. If it can, if music can inspire self-reflection, that's the most that's the the best kind of music. It's the music that moves you to truly work on yourself and try to be better because it pushes you to try and understand the impact your actions have on others. Yeah. And that's a, that's a huge, huge part of growing up. And like, we talked a little bit about me discovering D and D and shit that way. Like it's really hard to break how you think about yourself and how you think the world sees you, but it's really important that you try. And it's fucking awesome as hell that Lizzo has at least for the two of us kind of inspired a bit of that transformation up until yeah the last year where I've really been working on myself anytime I made a mistake in the past I'd look back and be like oh well this is why I did it or you know I didn't know better so how what else was I supposed to do mm-hmm. and regardless of how true that is it's certainly not true for the other side and right the intention of your actions is not the impact of your actions yeah and that's just that's just the way it works. So it's just really, it's really fucking cool. And I'm glad you mentioned that. Cause yeah, I absolutely felt the same way listening to it. And it's, it's such a strange experience to think that there's an artist out there who has that almost like universal pull to both sides. Cause I don't remember ever really experiencing that or thinking that really not, I've never heard a song from the opposite perspective and then been like, Oh shit, that's been me. And I really should make sure to never do that again. Yeah, it's it's funny how a good song will hit on an emotional level, regardless of who you are. A good song will just hit. It doesn't matter what side of it you're on. Yeah, a good that's a really emotionally good written song will hit you that way. I'm I'm sort of down to closing remarks. I think at this point for me, I don't know about you, but I you know in terms of you know our sort of rating system, we're trying to we you know I tried to introduce in our last episode. Like I think we would both agree that this album is worth listening to all the way through a lot more than once. Absolutely. I think listen to it straight through. If 
fuck, I'd say three, four times. But I almost guarantee you, at the most, by the end of the second listen through, you will already have a very conclusive kind of opinion on what this album does and means to you. And I'm willing to bet good goddamn money that you're going to enjoy at least, we'll say, what, it's a 43 minute album? 42 minute album? You're going to enjoy at least 42 minutes of it. <laughs> That's just the fucking thing. Mm-hmm. We'll leave mm-hmm. it, we'll be nice and we'll say you'll enjoy at least 39 minutes of it if lingerie ain't your thing. <laughs> slide, yeah, I was going to say, slide into our DMs if you agree with us about lingerie. <laughs> um, yeah, so closing words, <laughs> it's such a, I can't, I genuinely, like, we, we talked a lot more about like Lizzo and what she means and what she means to us and our lives, but I, I can't overstate how incredibly impressed and how incredibly impressive this album is. It's it's a technical production. Like every single element of this album is flawless for what it is. And yeah, it's just, it's really fucking good. Like my favorite track is better in color. I genuinely don't have a least favorite track. I couldn't, I couldn't tell you any song off this album. I enjoyed less than any other. And I didn't have a songbird. <laughs> so those are my yeah, closing remarks. Um, I did have a songbird. No regrets. No regrets. <laughs> no regrets. Um, it's a great album. Uh, back to front. I, I did struggle to connect with it. So I took another approach to it. You know, watching her live stuff, watching that documentary, or it's not a documentary, though, it's that interview with Dave Letterman. I really started to understand who she was as a person, which really helped me connect with her music. My kids helped me connect with it. Talking to Renee helped me connect with it. It's a great album. I, th- I think, I don't know it's something that I would listen to all the way through again. I think, I don't think I would listen to it all the way through again, if I'm honest. I, I agree with you that or all the songs are good, but I'm more like, I don't like, this isn't going to be a Desert Island album for me. I don't know why. I didn't, it didn't connect yeah, with sure. me that way, but a lot of the songs really hit and there's, there, you know, we've we've had some albums, especially like Bad Fingers, the one I keep coming back to. When you and I both agreed that we had to listen to it a fuck ton to start getting it, mm-hmm. I didn't have to do that with this, but I don't think that it connected with me on the level where this is going to become a full album playthrough for me. I'd say quite a lot of the songs will end up on a playlist, and I'll listen to them quite often. But that's just kind of my thoughts about it. But I mean, as an artist, I can't wait to hear more stuff from her. I hope she comes to Edmonton and I can like take my kids or the whole family can go or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. I hope she comes with Missy Elliott. That would be so great. Double double bill. (laughs) (laughs) Need a, need a triple bill. We need like her Missy Elliott and some other like black powerhouse ladies or something like salt and pepper or something like that, but they need an opening act or three big strong acts. I don't know. One of those that would be amazing. Mm -hmm. I don't know if Missy tours though. I know there's a, was talking about wanting to get back to touring and that David Letterman thing that was recorded this year. So Blizzo's going to be around the world several more times. We'll probably have some chances to see her. But yeah, that's kind of my closing thoughts on it. I, I think it's great. Um, I didn't connect with it quite as much as you did, but my kids really helped me. And I can 100% see why she's as important as she is in the music industry, in society, to women, and to girls. 100%. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's a fucking strong-ass closing remark, and I don't know how to follow it, so I'm just going to say, what are we listening to next week? <laughs> next week, we are going to listen to one of my Desert Island albums. Ooh. I wanted to stick with another artist of color, but Lizzo made me drift back to another lady that I love, and she is a minority, I suppose. She's Jewish, um, yep. and, the, and her name is Amy Winehouse, 
And I love her first album, Frank, as much as I think Back to Black is fucking amazing. It's a completely different style of music. So my suggestion for next week is one of my absolute favorite albums of the last 10 years is Amy Winehouse's first album, Frank. Wicked. I'm excited. I actually don't really have a whole lot of exposure to Amy Winehouse. I know who she is as a person and as a personality, but I haven't listened to a lot of her music. That, I think, is how most people know her. Yeah, I'm really excited. You talk about, you talk about Winehouse a lot. I've been, I've been waiting for that shoe to drop. As just an excuse to <laughs> listen to it for the first time. Yep. Um, when I heard Jerome by Lizzo, I was like, I got to go listen to Frank again. I find, and I was finding over the last couple of weeks with us pushing into albums that I have not heard and me struggling to connect with them. I was like, I got to bring us back to a place for me emotionally where yeah. it's a re-listen and it's something I love to sort of keep me going in the and keep my mind open for the new <laughs> stuff. Because I was okay. like... If uh, if I push forward to something I haven't listened to again, I think it's gonna. That's when this podcast is gonna start becoming work. I need to listen to something I love, cleanse cleanse my musical palate again, and and then we can move forward with some more new people. Hell yeah! I mean, that's the name of the game. Yeah, totally. So yeah, Frank by Amy Winehouse. Not her big album, but it's it's one of my absolute favorites of all time. One of my absolute favorite albums of all time. And if you get time, check out the Amy Winehouse documentary. I'll talk, we'll talk about it next week if you've watched it, but I think it's, it's it's on Netflix. I believe it's definitely worth watching. It's phenomenal. It's really, really cool documentary. Yeah. Sad, but it's, it'll, it'll help you. I think it'll help you appreciate her at, at the phase of her life when she recorded Frank, if you watch that. Cool. And then you see who she became as a result of back to black. And I'll get into it more then. I, I really don't like how you and I sort of start the next episode by talking about the next suggestion. <laughs> right. Which is why I cut it out of our last episode and I've been starting to cut it out. Yeah, so sorry. I'm going to keep it short. So that's it. That's the that's the episode for this week, I think. Yeah, awesome. We did so it. Good. We did it. We made it. It, <laughs> it was really hit or miss here for a couple of days, but we did it. Well, thanks for listening, Stephen. Pleasure. Great, great, great suggestion. I'll chat with you next week. Yeah, as always, it was a pleasure. I I really look forward to these little music-related chats we have. It's just, it's a highlight of my week. And thank you all for stopping in and listening. Yeah, 100%. Talk to you later. Thanks for listening to Life to Labyrinth podcast. Theme music by Devin Rose. Find Devin on Bandcamp or any streaming service. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Life Number 2 Labyrinth.